Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week we'll be hearing from Austin artist Chase Wynacht of the band Marmalix. Marmalix are our Artist of the Month for May here at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast. So like every month, we put a spotlight on a different Austin band. They come into our gorgeous performance studio, Studio 1A, to do a live performance, and they do a guest DJ set as part of our My KUTX series, and we post about their shows and generally let you know about a very cool Austin band that you need to know about. And in May, we were all about Marmalakes. The band is helmed by Chase Weinacht, who is a singer, songwriter, and guitar player, and his longtime friend, drummer Josh Halpern. And they're rarities here in Austin, people who actually, like, grew up here. I mean, these days we're mostly like a city of transplants, but they've been here for a long time, and they've been making music together since they were kids. They've been playing as Marmalakes since 2010, and they released an EP a year between 2010 and 2013, and then they didn't put out any music until earlier this month when they released their first full-length record, Please Don't Stop. Now, Marmalakes, they make music that lives somewhere between folk and pop and Americana and indie rock. Like, they have these hooky melodies and hooky riffs. Like, they make the kind of songs that get stuck in your head in a good way. And lyrically, the songs can be pretty obtuse, but I always feel like I know what they are about. Even though they're an Austin band, I'd never really met the guys in Marmalakes before. They're from, like, the generation after my hanging out in clubs all the time generation. So when I spoke to Chase, it was for the first time ever, though it felt more like we'd known each other for a long time. Maybe it's because he chose a song that led us to a really open conversation. A song that changed my life is A Better Son Slash Daughter by Rilo Kiley. It's a song that I probably would have thought was really cheesy when I was 18 or 19. But when I was like 25, 24, 25, I remember I was driving on like MLK and the highway and I, the song ended and I had, I had to turn and I could like know what people were honking at me because I just had been floored by the song. Uh, And I think I listened to it maybe four or five more times in a row because I'd never really soaked it up the way that I had to at that point. And I'm interested to know in what way your 18-year-old brain would have processed that as cheesy because that's like a heavy song. I think that part of it's that that marching drum beat and the 
the production gimmick of the the slow crawl in the basement space that sounds like it's coming through tiny speakers and the big open up and the harmony guitar part. There's like several elements that like even now I'm like, that's cheesy, but I really like it. And your mother still calling you insane and high swear and it's different this time. And you tell her to give in to the demons that possessed her and that God never blessed her inside. I think that I had an aversion or a, a like immediate dislike that was maybe a snobbiness as well when I was younger regarding songs that directly addressed in second person you 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 and after after listening to more music and kind of trying a go at it writing songs I'm realizing that the speaker in this song whether or not it's Jenny Lewis or someone she's impersonating is she's talking to herself the whole time and there's that constant circle back and that's what makes it so universal and cheesy to the 18 year old self but also meaningful to my 29 year old self there's a line about how when you're on you're really on and uh, everyone wants to be around you and feels good Right after that is when you're so down that like everything good seems cheap, and that just seemed exactly how it <laughs> it is sometimes. Uh, I never, I would, I never would have realized that particular gravity. It would have seemed like a cheesy line to me when I was younger. <laughs> well, and it strikes me because when I heard that song again, I mean, I've heard it before, and it's hit me like whoa. And but I hadn't heard it in a while, and I. I was listening to it preparing to talk to you today and I was like it's a song that it it almost takes like a front person to truly understand that song like someone who regularly gets up in front of people and sings yeah songs. oh yeah I wanted to talk about how it's about performing too yeah I mean I was wondering like do you think that that was why you kind of could hear it at 25 and really hear it because you had been performing at that point for about four years right yes and like performing is a privilege, and to get in front of a, an audience and present your band yourself is something you need to be grateful for and understand that it's like a special thing, but at the same time, you're not always capable of being the version of yourself that you want to be in front of an audience. And I think that there's no performer in the world who doesn't fake it sometimes. But speaking for myself specifically, it was in an era where I had things to do in front of people that I really didn't want to. And it it made me feel like there were other people in the world whom I respected and cared about musically. 
you had gone through the same stuff. I'm also a singer. I played with a band called The Sleep of the Wheel for a really long time. And I've, I, I mean, I've done a lot of performing on stage, but I recently took a big break from it um, because I had a similar feeling where, like, I was for about a year before I stopped performing, and I stopped performing about a year, year and a half ago. Um, it Getting up in front of people was not bringing me joy, and it was, like, almost more soul-crushing than, like, sitting in an office and having a job that I didn't care about because the thing that was supposed to fill me up and, like, this gift that I could give to other people and that I could really, really, really love... I mean, I was, like, playing gigs and then going home and crying because it. I just did, I didn't feel anything. And it was so kind of, like, disturbing that I finally needed to, like, take a break until I could actually feel it. That's a really healthy response it's <laughs> yeah. like just need to take time off yeah um i think that you hit it right on the the idea that getting to be up in front of people when i think this is part of why i didn't get it when i was younger when i heard it uh was like why would someone i don't i never had those feelings and so it felt like that was it just felt too far away. When I was younger, every single every single show felt like a blast for so long, for years and years. And even if it didn't go that well musically or the sound was bad or um, we weren't getting along in my band or something, it was it still was ultimately really fun. And then I got to a point where every once in a while shows just that show just just wasn't fun altogether. And then you'd fake it and pretend because you you want people to still like you afterward. <laughs> uh, or like you then for the first time. But uh, there, were, there was a, an era where it, I just didn't really want to do most things in my life. I was very, very down. And so performing just felt like such an exhausted exhaustive thing that I was like, I should be enjoying this so much, but I'm not. And it felt like I'd lost some part of me, but it was really just a different, a different era I had to get through. I mean, to me, do you think at that time you were going through kind of a depression? Well, that, well certainly. I mean, that's I mean, what this song is, such a great portrait of what it's like to be a performer and also be in the midst of like, about of depression which is like the thing that you're supposed to be for people is so vastly different from the thing that you feel and i mean and then when she goes on this thing about like but tomorrow i'll be like i'll be better i'll be the thing that people want me to be it's like i don't know i've, I've still been there so and, many then, and she ties it in with the, the who you're supposed to be for an audience or with who you're supposed to be for your your parents or for your family, and I I think that that resonated too resonates still. Uh, 
living in the expectation of who you were supposed to be. comes in it's just so triumphant and bold and really hot in the mix and it seems like that might be the the high part oh there's that one high that you can't really describe because it's a guitar comes back down and and she sings this triumphant outro verse that your ship may be coming in and that comes that line comes back a couple times and you'll fight it and you'll fight it and it it feels like ultimately a win but our articulating all those feelings may be helped. At this point in your life, you weren't really enjoying playing on stage, and you did take a break from like doing Marmalake stuff for a while. Did, is that kind of what contributed to it? Uh, there were a few reasons why we, we took a break from touring and, and playing together. Uh, Josh, my drummer, my partner in this band, uh, had several opportunities to play in other groups, which I was happy to accommodate, and... Our founding member, original bassist, Max, moved to Georgia. And we had finished recording, tracking the record that's out, coming out, with Max. But we're still putting on some finishing touches. And we wanted to kind of hold off till there was time for us to really pursue touring. And I, I had some things I needed to sort out uh, just in terms of taking care of myself and being a productive adult human being <laughs> aside from music for a bit and I also had to play some and record some by myself which was really therapeutic and I played I played bass in a, a band called the Hermits that was also made me kind of fall back in love with performing and uh, not that I ever really fell out of love but uh, getting to just stand there and play bass and not sing and not really be the center of attention made me understand why people play in so many different bands and also why why it's fun to just jam again you know without having all of the anxiety of is this a song we should use is this good should we should we take that part out here i don't know and like having this constant head game whereas you know, it's, it's all right just play the 
root note and, and cruise. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's still music. It's still fun. How does it feel to perform these songs that you wrote a long time ago when you were in a different place mm -hmm. and start to get up and play them in front of people? They don't feel autopilot at all because of the time and not playing extensively for a while. You, I'm like not tired of them and like I might have been or like I used to be. There's been enough distance where I'm not accessing those feelings exactly, but it's nice to look back and be like, oh yeah, that's, I need to remember that time. I need to remember that, that specific difficult or really happy moment and take it in pieces together because I'm not just one way all the time. It's certainly the case. How do you feel about performing now? Lately, performing has been 80% awesome, and like 10% really anxious and nervous, and 10% I don't want to be there. <laughs> it's, uh, if I'm being honest, but I'll definitely take that if I, like, I think that's a healthy distribution. Uh, lately, performing has been so fun. I think leading up to South by Southwest was when it really kind of started picking up again, and I, it's it's a, a privilege to get to play for people, and I almost always really enjoy it. <laughs> and hopefully uh, other people will understand when it's not perfect. Look, 80% is good. It's not the 100% of our youth or the 110% no. of like, I would do this for free anywhere, anytime, right. with any circumstance, <laughs> anywhere with electricity. Like, yeah. Sure. Um, I'm a little more particular now, but I I still like, you know, if something goes wrong, it's part it's part of the show. It's That makes it real. And this is Bright Robes from Marmalake's new record, Please Don't Stop. And yeah, like I said, this song is catchy. You may find yourself humming it. And I want to thank Chase for being so open and willing to talk. You know, Chase, he sounds like he's in a better place than he was when he first truly heard a better son slash daughter. And it was nice for me going through what I'm going through now to know that someone else has gone through the same thing. I mean, I have ambivalence around performing, but looking at Chase, I know I'll get out of it. 
If you are in Austin, Marmalakes will be playing with the Posies on June 2nd at the Parish. And if you liked hearing Chase talk about music, then you should listen to Marmalakes' My KUTX guest DJ set. I'll post that on the show notes page for this episode at KUTX.org, along with a link to their new record and their Studio 1A set, so you can, like, get into Marmalakes. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Erin Waltz is having a great summer, but she was our social media intern. And thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.